Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell and Cordell. As usual, we continue to bring you this podcast twice every week. And if you haven't yet subscribed, do that now. Uh, you'll be alerted every time we drop a podcast. We only spend 10, 15 minutes talking about important topics for guys before, during, and after divorce. And today is no different. But as always, keep in mind, consultation with an attorney who practices exclusively in family law is the most important thing and can't be a substitute for something like this because this isn't legal advice. And uh, we want to just educate you and inform you through this. But if you want to consult in one of our offices throughout the country, including the United Kingdom, then give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW or find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. And also coming up here next week or in the, uh, the July 20th, I believe, is we have a virtual town hall Divorce School for Men, uh, where you can attend for free, ask questions live of the panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys and get answers right then and right there. But the only thing you have to do is register, but it is free. So go to CordellCordell.com for more information. So let's get started right away. We're joined up by Shannon up in uh, New York. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, great to have you. Let's talk a little bit about child support. It's something we haven't addressed since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, back probably in March or April, we talked about modifications of child support, but now that we're post or really out of the, the lockdown, let's talk a little bit about modifications of child support, uh, particularly since you're in New York. Let's talk about the New York standards for child support and what those are. Great, thanks. Um, so yeah, the um, applicable laws in New York State uh, that cover uh, child support are the domestic relations law, specifically Section 240 and the Family Court Act. Uh, specifically Section 413, and that uh, those codify uh, the Child Support Standards Act, or the CSSA. And uh, basically, the Child Support Standards Act states that uh, child support is to be paid by the non-custodial parent to the custodial parent, which is the parent that has uh, the child or children um, 50%, more than 50% of the time. Um, and the purpose of that is to provide for the care, maintenance, and education of the child until he or she is emancipated. Um, and under New York state law, a child becomes emancipated um, when he or she reaches the age of 21, or if he or she is uh, sooner married, becomes self-supporting entirely or enters the military service. It's always an interesting when I talk to attorneys from our offices around the country because the age varies so greatly from 18 to 19 to 20, 21, 22 requirements for continuing through college uh, here like here in Missouri you have to have so many credit hours every semester and provide a copy of the grade report card in order to be remain eligible and it's a really interesting where the variances around the country uh, and it's especially for guys where their kids are getting older and they're going to college and the question becomes do they continue to pay child support and because they're already paying maybe room and board at a college, so it seems a little bit double dipping. Um, but then I guess that gets into the question of, you know, the, the formula itself varies from around the country. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe in New York, is it a dual income in New York where you use the income of both uh, parents to determine child support? Yeah, so under the Child Support Standards Act, um, you would apply a statutory formula to the combined parental income, so both parties' income. Um, you multiply that by the applicable child support percentage and then divide it between the parents according to their incomes. Um, now the child support percentages in New York State um, for one child it's 17 percent, for two children 25 percent, for three children it's uh, 29 percent, 
for four children, that's 31%, and for five or more children, it's 35%. Um, now, the court traditionally uh, will accept this as the presumptive correct amount of child support, um, specifically for basic child support, uh, and they'll only deviate from that number where the non-custodial parent's share of the basic support obligation is found to be unjust or inappropriate. So um, circumstances where it may be found to be unjust or inappropriate are where um, one of the parents, the non-custodial parent, uh, has to expend a significant amount of money to exercise visitation, um, or the parents share uh, nearly 50-50 uh, custody and um, they each incur a significant amount of expenses alone for the children. Um, so that covers basic child support. Now there's also a, a contribution towards add-ons in New York State that's presumed. Um, so in addition to the basic percentages, you may be required to pay uh, your pro rata share of the health insurance premium for the children. Um, any uninsured healthcare expenses, medical costs, dental, vision, things like that. Um, you may be required to also contribute your pro rata share towards um, out-of-pocket daycare, childcare expenses, and um, educational expenses. Those are all things that are pretty much automatically added on if they do occur. So a couple of questions that come to mind. Um, in Missouri, you mentioned deviating when there's more expenses. We have here in Missouri, and I know there's a couple other states that I'm familiar with, where they get uh, what they call a custody adjustment. We call it a line 11, which means the more overnights you have, typically the more money you'll spend because you're, you're, not, you're incurring duplicative costs. So you would get a credit for more time. You may not necessarily 50-50, it can go anything above a standard. Do you have something like that where the courts would say, okay, we're not gonna follow the chart or follow the formula because you have 48% of the time overnight debt? So even where the parents share the equal 50-50 split custody in New York, the court will first apply the um, child support percentages under the Child Support Standards Act. And then uh, there has to be a showing by the non-custodial parent that um, the support obligation that results is unjust or inappropriate under the circumstances. So it's not an automatic thing. It's something that you have to present evidence uh, in support of to get uh, some sort of deviation. And the parties can also agree to deviate um, from the basic uh, child support guidelines, um, maybe because they do share 50-50 custody of the children, um, and they can agree to some other um, percentage or amount of basic child support uh, or total child support um, in either an agreement or stipulation that is um, entered in family court or uh, pursuant to a divorce proceeding that is brought in Supreme Court. So you cannot, you can always agree to deviate from the Child Support Standards Act um, if you enter into a stipulation with the other party um, or the court can it, upon a showing that the uh, basic child support obligation is unjust or inappropriate. So is the child support, uh, is it different for paternity cases where how it's established and in, in the process? Yeah, so um, basically if you, uh, if the parents aren't married to one another when a child is born, then um, there first must be uh, an establishment of paternity. So the legal father must be established. Um, and paternity can be established either when both parents sign an acknowledgement of paternity, and it gets filed with the court or filed 
um, here where I practice and we filed uh, traditionally with Buffalo City Hall. Um, or if the parties can't um, both agree to sign this acknowledgement of paternity, then um, one of the parties can file a petition and at the end of the paternity case, the uh, family court can enter an order, order of affiliation. And after an order of affiliation is entered by the court, uh, a child support proceeding will automatically commence. Um, now, if the parents are both married, then uh, the legal father has already, and paternity has already been established. Uh, so you don't need to go that through that whole uh, family court process to establish paternity. Retroactivity, and that's always a sensitive subject for many guys in Missouri. It can go retroactive to the date of filing or mm -hmm. service. What do you have up in New York? In New York, it's the same way. So um, it, the support obligation would be retroactive to the date of filing a petition for child support or petition for a modification of child support in family court. It's always something where guys, you have to be cautioned them and about the retroactivity and, and having that conversation about strategy and whether you should be paying some money now, you know, in advance of a court order. Now we get to the point of modification, which is really probably the one area post COVID, which I think is the most relevant. Um, guys have lost jobs, decreased income, no overtime, no bonuses. So what are the standards in New York for modifying child support? So um, assuming that your uh, initial or most recent child support order was entered on or after October 13th of 2010, there are three grounds um, for modification. The first is um, showing a substantial change in circumstances since entry or modification of the last order. Um, the second one is um, that three or more years have elapsed since the order was entered or modified. And the final uh, grounds is um, upon a showing of uh, change of 15% or more um, in either party's gross annual income. And that change in income must be uh, demonstrated as involuntary. So it can't just be like one party or the party that's petitioning for modification um, chooses to quit their job. And then uh, in order to avoid child support payments, uh, that is not going to work. Um, it must be a situation like here with uh, COVID having occurred um, recently and many people have having lost jobs um, involuntarily or having to reduce hours significantly. A lot of people uh, have had a um, reduction in their income that is 15% or more. Um, and certainly that's something that the courts are aware of and adequate grounds for seeking a modification of child support. However, in New York State, uh, you can uh, waive in an agreement, um, either like a uh, separation agreement uh, pursuant to a divorce action in Supreme Court or in um, a stipulation or agreement um, in which a uh, child support is, order is entered on consent in family court, uh, the parties can agree to waive the uh, last two grounds for modification. So that means like you could not um, seek a modification based on an involuntary uh, change of 15% or more in either party's income or um, the elapsing of three or more years since uh, entry of the last order. However, the uh, first grounds for modification, the substantial change in circumstances, is something that is not waivable by either party. So you can always uh, seek a modification or um, either downward or upward of child support uh, upon a showing of a substantial change in circumstances. 
just almost emphasizes really the need to make sure that before you get divorced to have your agreement reviewed. You know, I know many guys think they can go at it pro se on their own or just use one lawyer, her lawyer. And uh, it's items like you pointed out, waiving the last two elements, the three or more years of elapsed or 15% or more, you, you definitely may want to not waive those unless you're the custodial parent. I mean, and making mm -hmm. it more difficult, albeit the substantial change is very subjective. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it's just such an emphasis on making sure that always have an attorney review your documents and have that conversation. What do you think? Yes, certainly. Um, I never would recommend that uh, somebody just go along with what the opposing um, party in, a, in circumstances of a divorce uh, recommends that you do uh, seek legal counsel on your own. Uh, you have the opportunity to do so, um, do research, and make sure that you don't waive anything uh, that could be beneficial to you in the future. So the one thing that I hear a lot from guys, <clears throat> excuse me, is oh, I can only modify it once every two years. Um, and then what they're referring to is this uh, rumor or you know, guys going through where the state can look for cost of living adjustments. And I assume that's the same in New York where a, par a custodial parent can go to the state and get a, a, a child support review every two years. So yeah, where there's um, an order where the uh, child support obligation is payable through the uh, support collection unit or is enforceable through the uh, state support collection unit, um, either party in New York State can petition for um, a possible cost of living adjustment um, after two years has elapsed since entry of the last order of support. Um, now that can be by the custodial parent or the non-custodial parent, but um, that's not the only time you can seek um, a, an adjustment of child support, you could do so um, a month later if uh, you can show a substantial change in circumstances. And again, that's not a waivable grounds for seeking modification. So um, non-custodial parents should be aware of that and they should definitely um, contact their support collection unit or um, contact an attorney and file a petition for modification uh, as soon as possible if they have lost a job or um, mm -hmm. have a change in uh, financial circumstances or uh, change in need um, so that they can get the uh, petition modified or they can get the order of support modified um, as of the date of filing that petition because it's retroactive to the date of filing. Uh, so I always recommend that non-custodial parents keep that in the back of their mind if anything uh, changes in their financial circumstances, uh, make sure to file a petition right away. You don't have to wait um, two years or three years or even um, upon a 15% or more change if there's uh, something unanticipated that has occurred uh, that substantially changes your circumstances. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point to end on when we talk about retroactivity, especially when you're trying to modify I remember doing a town hall back probably in May or June during COVID where many guys lost their job, were out of work, and the questions were rolling in about, you know, when is the right time to file? I mean, I can't keep up with my payments. Well, now, I mean, because you want to, if you're going to win, and the court ultimately modifies it, you want it to be retroactive to the time that you file. So it's a good point to end on. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Well, continue to tune in 
just information like this. If you want more information and you want to discuss your particular case, you can call us at 866-DADS-LAW, schedule a consultation. You can do it in person, on phone, via video, just like this, whatever is most convenient and comfortable for you. So you can find out more information by going to the web at cordellcordell.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media and check out our YouTube channel. It is filled with podcasts, virtual town halls, and general information and articles uh, on guy, for guys facing divorce issues, modification, anything with regards to family law. So check out the virtual town hall coming up here next week in July. You don't want to miss it. Divorce School for Men. Continue to subscribe to this podcast. And until next time, have a great week.